Hey everyone, this is Mercy Sugai. I am a graduate student in the Higher Education Program at Syracuse University and a graduate assistant in the Office of Student Activities. I'm also lucky enough to co-chair the Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month Planning Committee with Huey Xiao, Associate Director of Multicultural Affairs and the Kessler Program and Interim Director of the Disability Cultural Center. AAPI Heritage Month is traditionally celebrated in April on campus while students are still here, while it's celebrated in May nationally. This year's theme is regrounding, celebrating our identity. These past two years have been challenging for the AAPI community in light of the pandemic and the rise in anti-Asian hate and bias. There is still a time for us to reclaim our identities and find pride, strength, and joy in who we are, and we share this with the university community. This year, the AAPI Heritage Month Planning Committee is partnering with the Census Project, which is housed in the Office of Supportive Services. OSS serves students in the Arthur O'Eve Higher Education Opportunity Program and TRIO Student Support Services. The Census Project uses audio recording to create a unique and dynamic student community with the goal of increasing marginalized students' sense of belonging by leveraging their creative potential through podcasting and music production. By sharing marginalized students' stories, the hope is to create a more inclusive and understanding university community. In this podcast, we hear from Heijun Yu, a senior studying advertising in the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications and Information Management and Technology at the School of Information Study. Heijun is a huge Japanese breakfast fan and is also the student chosen to interview Michelle Zahner for the AAPI Heritage Month keynote this year. Heijun sat down with SSS Associate Director Amy Messersmith from the Census Project. They first talk about Heijun's love of music and how she came to be an avid concert goer, whether she had someone to go with or not. Going to shows alone might be unusual for an Asian American female, but Heijun realized that if she doesn't go, not only would she miss out on seeing some of her favorite artists, but there might not be any Asian American representation at the show she attends. Heijun talks about her experience of seeing Japanese Breakfast live in October 2021 in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, live shows were put on hold in 2020, so this show holds an extra special place in Heijun's memory. It was the first live show since the pandemic started. Heijun takes you there, from lining up outside the venue, to getting in the barricades, to the balloon drop at the end of the show. This show was a significant experience for a young Korean-American woman who loves live music and the band Japanese Breakfast. We want to thank Heijun for her willingness to share and this memory with us. Take a listen. So, um, I'm Amy Messersmith, and I am the Associate Director for Student Support Services here on campus, which is a federally funded TRIO program. Um, One of the things that I have done over the past, I want to say 10 years or so, is be a part of the Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month Committee, which is sponsored by the Office of Multicultural Affairs. Huey Xiao is both a colleague and a friend of mine, so it's great that I'm able to get out of the basement and meet with other students on campus. And um, this year, we have something special going on in terms of our keynote speaker. Um, Our keynote speaker is Michelle's Honor, and she is not only... um, the singer for um, the indie band Japanese Breakfast. She is also the author of a very popular memoir, Crying in H Mart. And so one of the things we wanted to do in preparation for her keynote speech is just kind of tune into students' experiences with um, Japanese Breakfast and to gather stories related to that um, artist. And so we did some digging, and we have with us 
um, a current student, undergraduate student, who has some really interesting stories related to um, Japanese breakfast and seeing them live. So I'm here with Heijun. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure.、Uh, my name is Heijun Yu. I'm currently a senior right now at Syracuse University.、Um, I guess to start off,、uh, I've always Um, loved listening to music because of my parents.、Um, they would always kind of blast music in the house, like at all times of the day.、Um, it would kind of get a little annoying at times because I would try to、uh, focus on music, or not music, I'd try to focus on like my daily chores and they would just be blasting music. So、um, because of that, I have had a lot of musical experience,、uh, not necessarily playing, but a lot of my music、um, experience has been influenced by my parents' taste. So A lot of stuff that they would play, I would kind of pick up on my own as well and kind of listen on my own. So, but I think that kind of ultimately gave me a、uh, superiority complex a little bit because I would be listening to a lot of older music and it wouldn't be necessarily like what was popular at the time, but kind of just like what my parents wanted to listen to. So, so you have a history of going to shows. <laughs> yes. More shows than the average person, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say I used to go to a lot more before I'd say even college, actually.、Um, I think after coming to college, I've seen, I've gone to less shows, which is kind of surprising because I feel like with the more freedom or quote unquote I would have,、um, you know, less parental supervision, I would go to more shows. But I think a lot of the times、um, I expected there to be more tours happening upstate, but that was not the case. But I know,、um, I'm trying to think what my first ever concert was. Pretty sure it was One Direction, but <laughs> not a f- actually, I was gonna say not a fact I admit, but I am proud of One Direction, so <laughs> I'll just add that in there.、Um, my sister、uh, is a little older than me, so she would kind of go to concerts a lot and festivals a lot when she was in her teen- teens, so、um, I think that definitely influenced me a lot. So、um, she, there used to be this music and arts festival at the amphitheater near my house, it was a pretty big. Or it is a pretty big amphitheater, pretty well known. And I remember going to like, the festival for the first time in, I believe, freshman year of high school. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. And I was like, oh, I'm probably the youngest person here, like, which was not the case. But <laughs>、um, because of that, I started going to a lot more shows and a lot more concerts and stuff. But a lot of times I would find it would be,、um, I would also miss a lot of shows because a lot of my friends didn't really like the same music I was listening to. So, I would either have to miss a lot of shows because I, I didn't have anyone to go with, or my mom would just be like, Oh, like, you can't, you're not going with anyone, it's not safe for you. So I remember feeling a little bit like bummed out that I missed a few integral shows, I guess, in my years. But then as I got older, she, my mom kind of let me start going to shows alone a lot more. So that was interesting、um, because I think if I hadn't done that ever, if I'd never gone to a show alone, I would have. Have made like various memories of like going to shows and kind of experiencing live music for the first time. So I remember、um, when they still used to do ticket stubs, or I guess they used to kind of allow for people to bring printed tickets.、Um, I used to kind of like collect them in a little bag and I just like look through them and be like, oh, I went to this show on this day. And like, I think I made a Facebook like photo album <laughs> on my Facebook page when I still used to use Facebook、um, of like the pictures I would take at concerts. Then It would just be such like, a core memory for me. Do you mind talking、mm-hmm. a little bit about what it's like to go to a show as an Asian American, a young Asian American woman by yourself yeah, alone? Sure. Yeah, that is. <laughs> and that's, that's a great experience. Yeah. 
Um, so I feel like a lot of times, a lot of the concerts I go to were more indie music and were indie music centered. And a lot of times, um, no matter what band it is, a lot of the audiences are, you know, predominantly white, predominantly male at times, um, predominantly like, you know, upper cl- upper middle class because, you know, they can afford to go to concerts. And um, I think that was also another factor why I would be kind of, I guess, anxious to go to concerts alone because it was kind of just like, I'm going to be the only person of color or only woman of color at these shows. So I kind of would tell myself not to go. But then when I did go to like my first show alone, I thought, you know, like if I'm not there, like then no one's going to be there, like who looks like me. And I don't want music to be gatekept by, you know, a certain group of people when it should be enjoyed by everyone else. And so obviously it's been like a little daunting to go alone. I was like, when I was younger, when I was like, you know, still a teenager. But I think at the end of the day, it has been worth it to go alone or at least kind of experience music for myself. Because if I hadn't, I wouldn't know what my certain like favorite song from a favorite band might, might sound like. So, I love how you haven't denied yourself the experience and joy of seeing some of your favorite artists live um, because you didn't have anybody to go with. And I think that that is just... I love it. I think mm-hmm. it takes a lot of courage. Um, but I would, I would imagine once you're there, the focus is the stage. Um, and so I imagine some students might be listening and thinking, wow, I would be super self-conscious being there by myself. But at a show, it's not about the audience. It's about the performer. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's like just like the, I guess, beauty, I'd say, <laughs> of music. Because it's kind of like, I uh, definitely have felt that, like, consciousness where it's kind of like, oh, like, are people, like, looking at me? Like, oh, they're probably, like, why is she here alone and stuff? But then once, like, the band or artist takes stage, it's kind of just, like, everyone's lost in the same, I guess, experience, that they're there for the music, that they're there for the live experience. And I think um, just, like, the unifying sense of it, um, no matter how, like, different you are from everyone else in the crowd, it's kind of just, like, we're all here to appreciate the same thing. And I think that's just very, like... I don't know the word for it, but just very unifying and kind of like hopeful in a way that everyone's there for the right reasons. That is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I guess I would transition into actually me finding out about Japanese Rare Fest a little bit because um, I was really into indie music back in end of elementary towards middle school or so, where I guess that was when I also started using like the internet a lot. So um, I remember it must have been at least... About like end of middle school, beginning of high school, um, Apple Music, or I guess Apple as like the company, um, had this thing called iTunes Radio, where it was free back then. Unfortunately, it's not free anymore. I try to get it on it again, but um, too much paywalls. <laughs> but basically, you would pick an artist or genre, and it would kind of tell you. Um, it would kind of curate like your own list for you of different artists and different um, albums and songs. And there was one that was like based on like some indie, just like indie rock of today. And I remember just kind of looking through that, trying to explore new music, because I think back then I kind of just wanted to listen to as many things as possible. So I remember seeing like the band Japanese Breakfast and I didn't really, I guess, I didn't know what it was like, it was all about. I just thought the name was interesting. So I decided to listen to them. And then I was like, oh, this sounds really nice. And that must have been since, um, yeah, since beginning of high school, so like 2014, 2015-ish. Um, from then, I 
did keep like a tab on Japanese breakfast, but I didn't really fully find out about the band either. I kind of just like listened and I didn't really know the lore behind it until I'd say maybe mid high school, like towards college, I kind of started researching about the band and I found out that the lead singer, uh, Michelle Zahner, is actually part Korean and uh, which kind of led to my question um, of like, oh, like, that's an interesting name for a band if she's like Korean. And then I found out like the reasoning for the name of the band. Um, if I remember correctly, it was like her rationale for naming the band Japanese Breakfast was because as a child growing up, the only pre- representation she saw of Asian people were um, Japanese people. And um, so I thought that was pretty interesting to use as a band name. So, um, And then I'd say I kind of didn't really listen to Japanese Breakfast for a little bit during college, but then I know um, when Jubilee came out uh, last year, within the last year or so, I figured, hey, I listened to them a little bit back in the day. So, you know, there's always, I feel like that always happens with me with bands too. Uh, a lot of the times I'll listen to them a lot and then almost like a hyperfixation almost. And then um, I'll come back to them once there's like a new material out. So I thought, hey, you know, yeah, that's how I would say I got back into them in the last couple of years or so. Do you remember the first song you heard? First song, it was either Everybody Wants to Love You or Roadhead. And I remember... Um, was because my friend used to make these like quote-unquote uh, mixtapes where it was just not fully mixtapes but I'd say more like playlists that she called mixtapes and she did one for at the end of every year um, for each of us in our friend group and this was back in high school and I remember like her little paragraph that she had made for me it was kind of like I associate you with synth pop <laughs> and I didn't know what to make of that I was like does that say anything about my personality? I don't know. <laughs> but I remember she put um, Roadhead on there. And I think that was definitely either one of the first songs or one of the initial listens I had heard to. So I remember seeing the music video for it too um, when it first came out. Because my parents were so into music, um, they did kind of, I guess, lead me to pursue music a little bit in that they, um, as like most people, I guess, a lot, or at least a lot of people that are, in like my friend groups, they were forced to kind of play piano or violin or some sort of instrument, um, orchestra or band in their childhood. So I remember I first learned piano when I was about, I think I'd say seven or so. And then I continued until I was about 12 or 13. And that was when I kind of was like rebelling against my mom. I was like, I don't want to play this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, but then she found a way to kind of coerce me into playing violin for a few years. So that was interesting. Um, but other than that, I feel like it was kind of just like they wanted me to have that skill set, not not to have like my own creativity outlet, but just to, you know, like have some extracurricular after school. So, but I remember because of that, I did want to at least I've have like had, I guess, dreams or fantasies or like where it was kind of just like, oh, maybe I'll be creative enough to pursue like a musical career. But then. I think it was kind of just like not something that I felt too strongly about. It was more I would rather appreciate music and write about it or like do something about it instead of making my own. So I think that's what steered me to kind of find or at least um, pursue a deeper interest in Japanese breakfast because I knew that if I wasn't the one like letting out like musical um, influences to others, it would kind of be my own pursuit to kind of find more about it. So. For somebody who might be new to Japanese breakfast, is there a particular song you think that they should start out with? 
or a particular album? I'd say starting off with the first album is probably, at least that's what I usually listen to a new artist. I notice I usually start with their very first album and then kind of go in like chronological order of when they're released. But I know, um, I guess if I would recommend a song from Japanese Breakfast, it would either be Everybody Wants to Love You or uh, Diving Woman. That's another one. Or, it, or I guess if they wanted to listen to something from the new album, I would recommend um, Paprika. I th- that's the first song I think off the new album too, because it's just it's like such a great beginner song, just like just pulls you in immediately. I'd say so. I guess out of those three, I would um, probably recommend. You have kind of a unique experience related to seeing them live. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind sharing that? So um, I was able to see Japanese Breakfast uh, live in concert. I'd say October of 2021. Pretty sure it was October 15th, if I remember correctly, the, to the exact day. Um, it was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York, and my roommate and I had traveled um, the entire day, basically, on the tra- on the Amtrak train just to go see them. Because it was my first concert in, I'd say, about 1.5 years since uh, the COVID-19 pandemic had started. So, And um, funny enough, the last show I saw before COVID was... Um, happening was the Jonas Brothers in 2019 so and had I had known that that was the last show I would have gone to some other show but obviously that was not the case and so I guess when I was choosing to see like a concert after um well I don't want to say COVID but because it's we're still in COVID but I'd say like um after 2020 at least uh I wanted to make it like something special and when I saw that they were having a tour I was like oh this has to be the one and I remember um at first, I was like, how am I going to get to New York? <laughs> it's like middle of the semester, my senior year. I should still be, you know, like uh, focused on my academics and stuff. And just the logistics of traveling was kind of overwhelming at first. But then I thought, I mean, I've traveled like interstate before to get to concerts. So I thought, why not? You know, I don't, if I don't go see them now, I'm probably not going to see them for a while. So I figured, why not go for it? So we landed in... Uh, not landed. We <laughs> arrived in Williamsburg. I've only been to Brooklyn, um, only like a certain side of it because my sister lives here. I hadn't been to Williamsburg or any other place. So uh, my roommate and I were kind of just like fumbling around <laughs> Penn Station and trying to find where we're going. And like, even if I've ridden on a subway multiple times, I still am like very confused by it. I watched, I remember watching so many videos like the night before, like, like, wh- like what are avenues? What are streets? And like, <laughs> kind of and i remember pretty sure we got lost at one point pretty sure and my roommate tried to take over the navigation but to no avail because she's not from new york either so (laughs) (laughs) and um somehow we got there and then we were right in like williamsburg right near the venue i'd say uh, maybe a few blocks and um it was just so surreal being able to like recognize the fact that oh i'm here for like a concert i'm not here for like some other you know event or anything i'm here for like an actual show and my roommate has never really gone to that many concerts, so I, um, she figured I think it was kind of like also like a first time in a while for her at least too. So I just like so many I guess factors made it so special to see the show. And we lined up I'd say an hour and a half or so before, and there were a few people in front of us in line, which what it was what I was used to because I'm so used to waiting in line at least two hours before just to get to the barrier or barricade I'd say so um but it was just so surreal it was just like being around people who are there for the same experience and who are there for the same music and um after you know a year and a half or more 
of not being able to see that, it was kind of just like, oh, like, this is happening again. So that was an interesting point. And people were, like, talking about, like, the band and, like, the songs. And just, I guess, like, there was, like, this air of, like, just excitement that I knew the others were also, like, thinking, oh, this is, like, a return to live music, basically. So That is awesome. <laughs> um, so once you got into the venue to see Japanese Breakfast, any anything you want to share about the actual show? Yeah, sure. So we walked in, and I remember um, getting, like, past security and the tickets. My first uh, initial thought was, like, get to the barricade. Get to the barricade. Because <laughs> I'm so used to having to be at the barricade, because otherwise I can't, like, see anything, because everyone's a lot taller than me. So um, I told my roommate, I was like, if you get past security first before me, like, run. And we're like, I'd be like, I would run, I would run, and you have to follow me. And she's like, okay. And pretty sure I was the one who got in first, so I just started running, <laughs> even though it was only like 10 feet of running. But then <laughs> there weren't that many people, so we were able to kind of squeeze in a little spot between everyone else. And people didn't really mind because they were all taller than us, so they were still able to see. And um, I just kind of kept looking around like multiple times, like does this like I just couldn't shake the feeling that it was like oh like it's still happening, like this is still like a live show. I'm actually here. It's not just like a weird imagination or like a daydream or something and um just i guess looking around because it was a pretty small venue um so filled up pretty quickly i'd say and everyone just looked so excited and ecstatic just to be there you know just to be standing there and people were just chatting about another and it's crazy to think that like a year before we were like you know don't like interact with strangers or you know like avoid people as much as possible and um, like a year later, people were just like, you know, talking about them amongst themselves to another, just like, I was just talking to people around me, like, oh, where'd you guys travel from and like whatnot. And it was just so like gratifying to be there. That is awesome. How was the show? It was amazing. <laughs> um, I remember they, oh, I feel like most shows do this. They play a couple tracks, like just to, I guess, hype the audience up. Um, must be some playlist that the band or artist chooses, but they were playing that, so people were also singing along at one point. Pretty sure they played um, Sweet Caroline at one point. Everyone just, of course, sang along. <laughs> um, and uh, the opener, Luna Lee, uh, started playing, which was amazing. I had never really listened to her before, and my roommate had, so she knew of a couple of songs, but it, that was also just like very dreamlike because the music itself is very like dream pop kind of like shoegaze i guess so that was that was amazing and um i've noticed over the years i used to film a lot during concerts but nowadays i don't really film ever i try to at least get like you know one or two pictures and then maybe like five seconds of like a song i like and then i'll just put my phone away because i think having your phone is obviously very nice to have to kind of like capture the memory but i found it better to kind of just like being the experience and to experience it more like within my memory so and I remember everyone just whipped out their phones and I was like you people <laughs> but um and, yeah exactly in the moment right <laughs> um and then they cleared out for Japanese breakfast afterwards and um I was still like very like oh like somebody pinched me like am I really here like right in front of like the stage basically and when they um shut down the lights and everyone just like starts screaming going crazy and just like wild and i just remember it was like it was like the feeling of your heart dropping but in like a good way in the best way possible basically and um the show started and i just 
there's a moment and i feel like a lot of concerts i go to it's like that whole like am i really here moment it's kind of just like this just feels like such like a daydream or like a fantasy that it just doesn't seem real that it's like i'm actually either listening to a certain song i like like and um that's what I like had envisioned my mind to, to be like, and it was basically what, what was happening. So yeah, I'd say the show was just amazing, and I just remember it's like one of those shows that you don't want to end because you just wanted to keep going and going, just like to play all the songs you like and just to be in like present with like people you admire. That is awesome. Thank you. Um, any thoughts or or last anything else you want to add? Anything that we missed? Um. I'd say, yeah, I guess there's something so different about seeing something in person than like just listening to on like in my AirPods or like on speaker at my in my room or something that it just there's so many layers to live music and so many not just like production wise, but so many layers in that like um, the whole like everyone's there for the same thing. It's kind of just like just like the idea of a shared experience It's just so unifying and that like the fact that everyone's there for the same thing is just it's almost indescribable because it's kind of just like you know you can't believe people are if you really think about it like humans are definitely more alike than you would think they are and i think music is just like such a unifying force and um i remember at the end of the show i don't know uh i don't remember the if there was like some explanation for it but they had a bunch of balloons come down from the ceiling and supposedly it was for like another show or something like some like the band previous were supposed to have it but then or I don't know if that was a case or if they actually had planned it for the entire tour but either way they're like during one of the last couple songs of the set um a bunch of like pink yellow like pastel colored balloons fell from the ceiling and I was like this is like a scene from a movie or something like I'm still dreaming like you know I'm not awake right now and I think that was just like everyone just immediately they were already like still like jumping around but everyone was just like, like the energy was just like very palpable and it was kind of just like wow like I'm actually here in this moment and I remember after the show my roommate and I were like this is definitely like a core memory for us like we're probably gonna remember this like forever and you know tell everyone else we about it so well hey June I think that um I love I love hearing about your concert going experiences and, and especially your Japanese breakfast concert experience. And we're just really excited to welcome Michelle's honor to SU. Yeah, for sure. Um, it'll be awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of the times uh, Asian Americans are kind of just like, I feel like a lot of the representation that we want to see, it's kind of, um, it's, it's definitely difficult to kind of like, bring in that representation because we're so used to kind of you know staying in the background and stuff but I think just being able to appreciate the individuals who have stepped into the foreground and kind of you know seeing ourselves represented in that is just as um, important as you know having any representation I think and because I know for sure I can't write music <laughs> I can't do anything um oh, but that's not true. <laughs> I guarantee you that's not true. thank you um but I think just like being able to have figures to even if it's just like music or you know like movies or tv shows it's just so powerful and um i am glad that i think there's being changed being made in the last couple of years i know a lot of the times um, a lot of people are like oh it's just like you know genuine or authentic representation or not but i think you know just being able to kind of being aware of that and kind of maybe if something isn't genuine representation like 
being aware of that and kind of making more changes, you know, calling people out. So I think it's the biggest step. And, you know, it's always nice to have good music to listen to if it's fronted by someone who's like you. Thank you so much for just sharing your story. Yeah, thank you so much. Just has just been so, like, I think one of the coolest experiences I've had. Like, not just in college, just, like, in general. Like, when um, Justin told me about this, I was like, of course, I would love to be part of it. Like, you know, it's just, I, I as I said, it's just so indescribable how impactful and, like, bringing change this whole thing. That's just so impactful. Just knowing that, like, you know, like, there's always, like, change that's being put forth into something, so. Yes, thank you so much. This podcast is brought to you by HOP and SSS's The Census Project. The Census Project encourages self-exploration and community building through podcasting, music, and beat making. You can find out more about The Census Project at SyracuseCensus.com. Through nuanced discussion and dialogue across differences, the Census Project seeks to create a more inclusive community, one podcast at a time. This is Craig Tucker, and we thank you for listening.